This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. This podcast is one of several efforts that taken on by the USHBC to help the industry communicate more effectively. We generally refer to those efforts as an industry relations component. And I have a very exciting announcement that we have hired a new director of communications and industry relations for both USHBC and NABC. That person is Jill Schofield, and we are very excited to have Jill with us on the show today. So welcome, Jill. Thank you so much, Casey. I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of this team and to really work on behalf of and with the blueberry industry. Well, we are also very excited to have you here as Director of Communications and Industry Relations. Jill is going to be responsible for planning, directing, and overseeing communications programs involving growers, marketers, exporters, importers, distributors, and other stakeholders. That's a lot. So prior to joining us at USHBC and NABC, she spent nearly eight years as the Director of Producer Relations at the California Beef Council in Sacramento. So she's definitely not new to our industry, agriculture communications generally. Jill, maybe you could just start off by giving us a little bit more about your background and some detail. Absolutely, Casey. So yes, the last several years I spent with the California Beef Council in a role very similar to this in terms of industry relations, working very closely with the men and women in California who raise cattle as part of the beef production life cycle. And that was, you know, a, a highlight of my career. It was really rewarding and fulfilling to work on behalf of an industry of people who work so hard to produce food for, you know, not just California, not just the United States, but the globe really. And I think it was fulfilling for me because I actually grew up in a ranching family. So my early days were spent in Northern Nevada on a cattle ranch. I was probably riding a horse before I could walk. So those agricultural roots really do run deep for me. Before I joined the California Beef Council, though, I spent a number of years in public relations and communications roles, not related to agriculture at all. So when I was able to join the Beef Council, it was kind of a nice culmination of that personal history in ranching uh, and that professional career in public relations and communications. And so now fast forward to now, I just am so excited about this opportunity because I think working with the great team that's here at NABC and USHBC really brings all of that full circle. So I'm really excited to not just bring my experience to the table, but really that passion for working on behalf of agriculture. And again, you know, it may be a different commodity, but men and women who are working really hard to produce a really nutritious product and one that I wholeheartedly believe in. And I'll say that, you know, clearly during the interview process, which was really competitive, but your experience, your background, your person really stood out amongst all of those that we got to meet with. And I think that really spoke well of this position that we're looking for, someone who can relate to, you know, what our blueberry growers and our industry are going through right now. And I think considering all the things that I think I've seen beef go through in my time in agriculture, 
you're going to have a lot of similarities, I think, but maybe you could kind of draw on how you kind of connected dots yourself between the beef industry and the blueberry industry. Yeah, absolutely, Casey. And it's kind of interesting, I think, as I was going through this process and sharing with you know, my circle of family and friends, many of whom are still involved in the ranching industry, there was kind of a, a response of surprise, like, wow, going from beef to blueberries, that's going to be quite a difference. You know, we don't have a lot of blueberries in northern Nevada where I grew up, but the similarities have actually been more surprising to me, I have to say. You know, I think no matter what you're producing, if you're in agriculture, there's a common thread of resiliency um, and perseverance that the producers and growers just naturally have to have to continue to make it in this business. You know, you have to constantly adapt. You have to be flexible to the vagaries of mother nature and the other things that you're at the mercy of when you're growing and producing food. So there are so many commonalities that tie through, you know, the ranchers I was fortunate to work with and now the blueberry growers. I think, you know, the last year plus have been difficult for everybody. It's been a hard time for agriculture in general. And so, you know, I understand what people have gone through. Again, it may have been a different commodity, but the struggles are similar. And I think that commonality is really important to understand. And it's actually been a pleasant surprise to just see how closely related the two really are. I think that that is a good place to start from knowing. I think I have some experience in understanding some of the issues, the concerns, um, and the opportunities that exist for blueberry growers and the industry in general. Yeah. And I think too, you know, obviously with the way that the beef checkoff is set up and I think, you know, your experience in recognizing the ways in which the beef industry is taken advantage of both their checkoff program and their trade associations. And so I, I, I'll never forget in the interview where you shared with me the two hat strategy. And of course that comes from ranching, but it's true for our industry too, where we have states and obviously the USHBC and an ABC organization that has two hats. We have the, you know, the, the research and promotion organization that's a checkoff and and certainly the trade organization that does a lot of that advocacy and, and voice for the industry work, which I really think is a nice connection back to your experience. And I'm looking forward to how we connect that dot here in Blueberries as well. But look, I'm not going to put Jill on the hot seat too much today in today's episode, but I'm going to give her a chance to put me on the hot seat a little bit to share about the progress we've actually made in our industry relations recently and where I see things going from here. But for you, Jill, what are you most excited about in this opportunity you see here at Blueberries? You know, I think you just touched on it a little bit in having that opportunity to both represent the industry in that consumer-facing message and really continuing to boost and grow that consumer demand for a product that just continues to increase in quality and consistently. It's something my family and I eat regularly every day. And so it's kind of exciting to have that tie. But then also that connection to the NABC side, right? Being able to really advocate for the industry and go beyond that health message, that consumer message, but really representing the industry with decision makers and being able to be a voice for the blueberry industry. And I think for those who are out there every day, you know, in the fields, worrying about a number of issues that you have to worry about as a blueberry grower, I hope it gives some comfort knowing that there's a team here just working on their behalf day in and day out to carry that message forward, you know, through both channels for the consumers, as well as the policymakers and decision makers. And I think that's really important. And in my short time here, I've just seen that passion in every other team member. I think everybody really takes that seriously 
and has a lot of enthusiasm for the job at hand. And I think that is contagious. You know, it's really made me excited to kind of move forward with some of the ideas we've talked about. So it's, it's going to be a great chapter and I'm really looking forward to it. It's just so important. And, and of course, the balance that I think we have to bring on doing the things that the organizations are responsible to do with those resources, but making sure that, you know, that there's clarity with the industry on which one's doing which thing and why, and why that's important. And so, you know, just thinking about, you know, the future ahead for us, there's a lot of work and opportunity that's going to come uh, in communicating, you know, these unique aspects of the two hat concept that I think we're still really trying to, even as old as these two organizations are, I mean, one's 20, one was started in 1965, and just how we're still trying to make sure that people can understand and then appreciate the nuances of the two. So no small job in there, I can tell you from my early tenure here. But thanks for sharing a little bit about that. We're very happy to have you a part of the team. And I'm just going to let Jill turn the tables and interview me a bit about the Blueberry Industry Relations Program as it stands today. But first, we need to take a quick break for our crop report. As you heard from last week, Florida and California, we're already starting to see our domestic crop updates. We're going to continue to add voices to this report as the harvest moves north. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. It's time now for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today, you'll hear from Juan Soria Morales in Mexico, Bill Steed in California, and Ken Patterson in Florida. This was recorded on April 14th, 2021. This is Bill Steed uh, representing the California marketplace for fresh and organic uh, and conventional blueberries. The information came out is coming out of our recent forecast board meeting that we had last Wednesday, which was submitted to our third party database. We see the California market this year at a, somewhere between 88 and 90 million pounds, with probably about 35 million being organic, then 17 million being processed which leaves us somewhere in that 40 million plus minus in conventional. We think that our peak will pretty much be consistent starting in about May 16th window, running all the way through the probably the first week of June. California is going to be pretty much in the same volume per week of volume. I think that works out somewhere around the eight, nine million range or something. There won't be what I call a hard peak. Fruit, fruit quality is gorgeous, and we've had little or no weather events that have uh, affected our uh, production. Hi, this is Ken Patterson from Florida, and uh, this is this week's crop report. Uh, what a difference a week can make. Just one week ago, it looked like Florida would be peaking right now without any real issues. Uh, we had a lot of, we had a cold event uh, that was way more extended than expected, and it slowed down the harvest, especially in the north central sections. I think in addition to that, also the heavy crop has delayed the crop somewhat. So forecasting has been a little tough this year. Some storms that passed through this past weekend that were exceptionally strong with hail and straight line winds, sometimes exceeding hurricane force. Strongest of these storms went through central Florida near the I-4 corridor and blew off considerable amount of ripe fruit. Reports between 15 and 40% losses were reported by numerous farms in that in those areas. The farms that were not affected in the south are in their peak right now, 
and the northern farms are still a week away from being in their peak. There is an abundance of picking labor with many farms turning away labor contractors and the quality uh, up until the storms was very good. And so it remains to be seen how much fruit will have to be culled because of hail damage. Florida's total production is approximately 4.3 million pounds up to this point. And that's my crop report for Florida. Hi, good morning. My name is Juan Soria Morales, plant health inspector from Maneberries. Next, we will provide you with the export data for blueberries from Mexico for week 14. Uh, we have had a decrease in our export volumes, close to a 6% in respect to the last week. During this week, we have exported a total of 6 million pounds to all our markets. Our export volume for the whole season up to date to all the world is 88 million pounds of blueberries. We are expecting to export volumes close to 6 million pounds for next week. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to our colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find Data and Insights Center to see more data about what's happening in the blueberry industry in real time. And we're going to be constantly improving on that page. So we hope you'll bookmark that and continue to go back to ushbc.org to check that out. But for now, it's time to turn the tables and let Jill ask me a few questions about our industry relations program as she's taking over. Jill, I'm going to turn it over to you. The mic is yours. Well, thank you. This is, you know, quite an honor to be able to now ask you some questions, you know, coming in, We've certainly had a lot of conversations about the vision you see moving forward, as well as conversations just about some of the things that have been put in place in your tenure here. And, you know, coming in as a new member of the team, I have to say it's very exciting to see a lot of the tools that have been put in place, including this podcast. I think it's a tremendous resource and, you know, thrilled to be able to be a part of it and and moving forward kind of work with you on this. But I think it'd be good for everyone listening, including me, to kind of go over some of the questions and topics we've discussed as I've come on board. So first, I just kind of wanted to ask if you could give some historical context to the industry relations program here and kind of what you see in terms of the mission of that program and how you'd like it to move forward. I have to give a a nod to the Industry Relations Committee and the work they've done to get us to where we're at today in the way that industry relations had been working. And so Bo Slack has been a tremendous advocate for what I think we're talking about here, which is to try and, you know, continue to reach into the grower base and the audience of people who are really benefiting from what the work is that the USHBC does. And yet it's a huge challenge. I mean, quite frankly, when I came on board, You could see just the expanse of responsibility, not just domestically, but you also have stakeholders in other countries. And so there's that issue of how do you communicate all that we're working on with such a large audience of people? This podcast, as an example, it's become popular because it has that reach. And so it's how many ways and things can we look at to do that would be able to communicate to as many people who want to be a part of the business of blueberries and be able to hear it and receive it. It's a huge challenge. I know we're not the only organization faced with that same challenge, which is part of the reason you're here. I'm sure the Beef Council has had its own challenges. And I think for for me, you know, just always being cognizant of how we spend that resource so that that resource isn't overspent, telling people things that is the work that they're already kind of expecting us to do, right? You know, we could stop doing it. I would say we were probably more leaning towards that end of the spectrum before. 
And that causes consequence. And now we're investing in more communications because in the end of the day, if you're not sure what's happening or what you know the organization is doing, that's the other issue. I think transparency is another one is giving people access to the organization, giving people more resources to have that access to the organization and being able to answer, of course, all the questions. So, you know, we've put a lot more effort as I've come on board to try and understand what those opportunities look like across the blanket of our audience and what is it that they want to hear. And I think I got to the point where I just saw we need to invest more into our growers. We need to invest more into this industry to ensure that they're connecting a lot of these dots. And that's why a director of communications and industry relations came to life. That's great. And I think you're so right. I think providing that access in as many ways as as we can, right? And allowing those we represent to really have the opportunity to fully understand just all of the great work that's happening. As we've talked about, a lot of great things really have been put in place. So I'm just kind of curious to know, as you reflect on your first year and a half here, what are you most proud of when it comes to industry relations specifically? We're all facing a similar challenge in our industry as it relates to the pandemic. And so one of the silver linings, I think, of what the pandemic created was kind of a a restart on what industry relations was about. And I say that because, you know, the podcast actually was born out of the pandemic. Our virtual meetings were born out of the pandemic. And from that, what we saw was a reach that otherwise wouldn't have taken place necessarily. I mean, I think, you know, I would have liked to have thought that we would have done a podcast had it not been for the pandemic. But I know the virtual meetings are something that we saw a tremendous amount of registration. I mean, people who otherwise wouldn't access our organization by our in-person meetings are now attending virtually and hearing about the work, hearing about the research, hearing about the promotion programs. And I think from an industry relations standpoint, that was really healthy. There was a good opportunity for people to get the information they were looking for. So I have been extremely proud of the pivot that our team made to go from in-person to now virtual. And I would say the willingness of our leadership to trust us with that and be able to you know, put that together in a way that also needed to include the governance that goes on with being able to have the meetings and approve budgets and that sort of thing, but doing both at the same time and doing it well so that people could really get a better sense of the energy and the momentum. The other thing I'd say, you know, that I would definitely connect the dot back to industry relations is we put forth a a tremendous effort in the summer of 2020. I mean, we were looking at doing this before the pandemic, but it just was, I think, well-timed to make sure that there was a clear guiding brand development of the two organizations. So yes, we're two organizations coming together as one is inspiring possibilities for our industry because that's what's really needed right now. There's so much more yet to you know see and experience and opportunities to bring to the industry that have yet to be realized. But I think we needed to go through a branding that separated who is responsible for what. And I think our branding process this summer certainly helped to show this is the NABC responsible for advocacy. It's the trade organization. It's member driven. This is the USHBC. And I think, you know, you in your role, but us as an industry, we're going to have to continue to invest in that clear communication about the two being separate, but coming together as one to inspire this industry through what I consider the innovation era. That was a really important foundation to set. Again, not ideal timing for what we were going through in terms of the global pandemic. But I think because we went virtual and because we were doing it at the same time, we got a much larger audience to hear that message than we might have otherwise. 
I think you're absolutely right. I think certainly there are so many sophisticated, cutting edge tools that have been put into place. But at the end of the day, not everybody wants to receive information in the same way, right? So, you know, I think as an organization, we have to really meet our stakeholders where they want to be. And certainly many of them listening to this podcast or taking advantage of our our digital resources that we have, you know, they're using that. But if there's someone who wants to have that printed piece in hand to better understand and digest the information we're sharing with them, you know, I think we should provide as many points of access as possible to the people that, that we're working on behalf of. And in my previous role, that was no different. We want to make it as easy as possible to engage our industry and our stakeholders because the work we're doing is important, but it's even more important that the people who fund that work understand just the impact it's having. So, you know, I think as we kind of move forward, there's going to be some opportunities for adapting and and providing that message in a number of different formats and making sure that, you know, if someone wants to learn more about what we're doing, that they are able to do so in a way that they can appreciate and in a way that they want to receive communication. What you're talking about is where this work really lies, is really understanding, I think, almost state to state, grower region to grower region. And a little bit, maybe you could get into kind of the demographics of our growers and our, our industry stakeholders as being separate, you know, marketers versus growers versus importers. I mean, there's a lot, right? There's a lot in trying to make sure that if you're going to tailor communications, you know, kind of who gets everything versus, you know, who wants it this way. There's a lot of work in that. And I could see that. And I think the future of your position in our organization is to, you know, get into tailoring what it is that they receive up into including print. And so one of the foundation pieces, which, you know, people will hear more about that's coming that you're going to be largely responsible for is uh, our implementation of Impexium, which is an association management tool. Lots of organizations our size have those types of resources, but rather than it be you know, a database in, you know, one of these email marketing systems or an Excel spreadsheet that you're working off of to try to get to know everybody. We're building a in-house system of member management, but in the case of the assessment base, a USHBC organization, it'll be a, a system at which, you know, we can better tailor the kinds of things people hear from us based on what they're asking for. And this system should allow them to tell us what they're looking for in terms of communication, because some of these companies that we work for, farms and growers, have a number of people who are engaged or, more importantly, want to be engaged. And we just don't know who they are. This tool is going to really help us better connect with the ways in which our industry wants to receive things. and, And just as importantly, if not more importantly, allow us to add those who want more information and be a part of our communications and industry relations. Let's take a quick break right here in our conversation for our marketing boost. We'll be right back. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thank you, Casey. USHBC's new positioning and call to action, Grab a Boost of Blue, is being played out in a big way through our new digital video ads designed to capture consumer attention, inspire blueberry passion, and drive demand. The strategy of the ads is to connect the benefits of blueberries, both emotional and physical, to the busy lifestyles of our target audiences, which have been identified as overwhelmed young families and fun-loving freshness fans. The new spots are fun and engaging while accentuating the health, simplicity, versatility, and great taste of blueberries. 
The ads went live on March 29th and are reaching our target audiences on Facebook, YouTube, and through pre-roll wherever they are watching their favorite content, including smart TV apps like Hulu, ESPN, Food Network, and HGTV. You can access and use the new ads directly by going to ushbc.org slash boost ads. You'll find three creative spots in both 15 and 30 second versions. Get in on the action by sharing your favorite video ad on your social networks. Be sure to include the hashtag GrabABoostablue in the caption, and you could be featured in USHBC Communications as an industry champion. After all, we're in this together. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Back to you, Casey. Thanks, Jenny. Now it's back to our episode with our brand new Director of Communications and Industry Relations, Jill Schofield. You know, I'm sure for you, like it's been for me coming on board, uh, you kind of feel like you're standing on the shoulders of giants, right, that have laid this foundation that we can build off of that is really remarkable. And, you know, while our industry is going through uh, a transition, there's no doubt, it's important that we communicate how our two organizations can help, not just through this transition, but we are the two hats they're going to need over the next forever. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, I think there's some exciting things on the horizon we're going to be able to do. It will be hard work, but I think there's tremendous opportunity there. And you know, that's an exciting thing to be able to join a team who's really moving forward with a lot of momentum. So, you know, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And just, again, that foundation that's been put in place, both by the staff and again, that industry leadership. It's an exciting time to be with Blueberries, I have to say. It is. And I would say we're at a crossroads. And I think that we're going to head down a path together that I believe inspires the possibilities of what Blueberry still represents. And, and to those who have been a part of the industry and, and really think that the market's tapped out, you know, it doesn't take too much time inside the research to see that you know, there's a lot left in the tank. And I think it's going to be a good industry relations effort and communications program that continues to point out where those opportunities are and how we're taking advantage of chasing them down. And like you said, there are things happening right now that I'm super excited about where this is going to take our industry and and be able to suck up that supply that's coming in in a way that creates a lot more of the positive experience people have when there's high demand. And it's kind of staying focused on we're a demand driving organization, you know, on one hat. On the other hat, we're going to be advocating like crazy to ensure that the resources that uh, our industry needs are at their fingertips to make sure that they can be successful with what they're operating. So it's exciting to have you here. It's going to give us an extension of I'd say expertise and professionalism and resource that we can touch more people and do more things and be involved with more regions than we'd otherwise be able to be engaged with. But that engagement is going to be important and you're going to be our chief engagement officer on making sure that we give people what they're looking for when they're looking for it. And so I'm really excited to have you on board too and and helping us uh, make this all come together and happen for our industry. So if you're listening and uh, you want to reach out to Jill and give her your thoughts on the future ahead from a program standpoint, obviously she's here. We're looking forward to that kind of engagement, but great to have you on board. Excited about what you'll bring to our team. So thank you, Jill. Thank you, Casey. Okay. 
Well, that's it for episode 43. I have really enjoyed this conversation with Jill, and I hope you are as encouraged as I am about Jill coming on our team. And if you'd like to just welcome Jill to the industry by dropping her email, it'd mean a lot to me, but I know it'd mean a lot to her. And you can do that at industry at ushbc.org. So if you'd like to just welcome her on board, I know her goal and mine is to facilitate more effective communication in this industry for everyone's benefit. So just say hello. And if you've got some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, uh, we certainly welcome those as well. So again, industry at ushbc.org. Give her a little shout out and welcome and encouragement to uh, joining our Blueberry family. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. I like that you said blueberry school because I feel like I've been in blueberry school for a few (laughs) weeks now and it's great. I love it.